This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. So we're talking about Barnabas and Saul in Acts 13 today, so let's take a closer look. We are talking about Barnabas and Saul. This is an interesting story. Um, Barnabas and Saul later in the book of Acts, from this moment, we're going to see them, they get commissioned together. Later down the line in the book of Acts, they have some kind of falling out. And they s- separate. They don't, they're no longer going as a team. But then, later in Paul's life, in one of his letters, he sends in the salutations. He says, and, s- and bring Barnabas with you because he's useful for, to me in ministry. And so you have to, before we read all the things that are about to happen, because we're going we're gonna to follow them for a little while, and we follow Saul for basically the rest of the book, or Paul, you have to understand their relationship. They seem to be almost like best friends who've been around each other too long. Yeah. They just eventually end up getting crossways with one another, I think genuinely because they've just spent too much time together. Because at the end of their lives, they seem to come back together. Paul seems to think very highly of Barnabas, which in the exchange of how they separate is not the case. But you also have to understand, these are people who are doing a lot of really cool and crazy things to bring about justice and restoration into the world. Yeah. You have to imagine that they might have some pretty boisterous opinions about how to do that and accomplish that. Yeah. And as so, they get crossways. But I want you to understand the dynamic of their relationship in its totality to better understand how they might interact in these moments when we see them together. Mm-hmm. Acts chapter 13 begins. Now, in the church at Antioch, okay, If you remember a couple weeks ago, we did the whole geography lesson, right? So remember, Antioch is where we were all going to. We were all on the move, and we ended at Antioch. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, namely Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod the ruler, and Saul. All right. So what do you got here, Clayton? You got Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, and then someone who works in Herod's court. Yeah. And Saul. And Saul. Who is Saul? Saul is a previous religious ruler leader person. do you know anything about him before that yeah he's the guy that was on damascus on the road to damascus right no, no, no. We, we've Bef- led before up to the that. book of acts do you know anything about saul the person from like oh from scripture from or like just in general who he was as a person where he grew up where he was raised how so he was raised he is jewish mm-hmm. 
Um, but doesn't he also have some like Roman descent too? He's a Roman citizen. He's Roman he's citizen. Fully Jewish. Fully Jewish any... Roman citizen. Yep. Um, there is some speculation on whether or not he was married beforehand. There's lots of speculations on whether um, or not he was married. Probably was. So we may know that. Um, and he was a hot shot in the church or in Judaism. Judaism. Yeah. Everyone knew Paul. Yep. Or Saul. Yep. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. There's a couple other things I want to point out. Uh, Saul is from Tarsus. 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 Yeah. Well, yeah. Tarsus. But okay. Tarsus. And anyways, he's from that little town, which is not Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He's a Roman citizen, which at one point in the book of Acts, that becomes real important because it keeps him from being killed. Yeah. Um, but he's a Roman citizen, which wasn't the easiest thing to do in the ancient world. He's also highly educated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more than likely that Paul came from money. Okay. And it's also more than likely that he forfeited said money when he left Judaism. Mm-hmm. So, notice how Barnabas begins that list. Mm-hmm. And Saul ends it. And there's a really unique phrase to describe one person for you right before Saul. Yeah. I think this is an ascending order. Okay. I think this is an ascending order of like prestige, notoriety, possibly education, wealth, whatever. Um, and I think, because remember, Luke is an artist, a master. I think it's intentional. Remember, this is a book that all these people would know. These are leaders of the church. Stories are told about them. Antioch is one of the first places the gospel goes when it leaves Jerusalem. Like every, These are main characters of a massive story. Mm-hmm. I think he's doing this in some kind of ascending order um, to set up what's about to happen. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting... Now, they, all of the church, right? We've got these few people named, and they're prophets and teachers. Mm -hmm. So these are leaders in the church. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Okay? So what just happened? So the church got, the church in Antioch got some sort of message from the spirit that Barnabas and Saul needed to move on. And where were they in the list? Um, beginning and end. Okay, so all-encompassing, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter about where you are in any ascending order. Both sides can be called to the same job. Mm. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them together, irregardless of society, irregardless of status, irregardless of X, Y, Z, either side of the order. And they send them off. Verse four. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia 
And from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Remember um, Acts chapter 10 with Peter's vision? Mm. What's the whole purpose of that? Is like now the gospel is not just for Jews. Mm. Remember in chapter 9 when Jesus tells Ananias that Paul is going or Saul is going to be his instrument to the Gentiles? Why do you think they show up at a synagogue if everything's pointing to the Gentiles? I don't know. Good question. Where they're comfortable. Mm. Remember, they've been doing this forever. Mm-hmm. They are Jews. And synagogue is a place where we feel comfortable. We're already in an unknown world, right? We're in Gentile world. We're outside of Jerusalem. We're not in our safe space anymore. Mm-hmm. They go to what's familiar, which isn't that how you would accomplish any mission? If, if I gave you a mission, we can take mission in a military metaphor. If I gave you a mission to accomplish and you were an expert, you know, artillery person, I think that might be the manner in which you carry about, carry out the mission. Mm-hmm. But if you're an expert stealth op, mm-hmm. maybe you might be able to accomplish the mission without taking a life at all. Mm-hmm. There are different ways to accomplish any mission, but you do them in the ways in the ways and places that you are comfortable. Yeah. That's how it always perpetuates. And so the first point that I want to bring out here is that if we believe that the Christian mission is to bring about experiences of life in the name and message of Jesus, which I absolutely absolutely believe that is the premise and purpose of the Christian mission. If that's the case, then we each have to have the freedom to do that in our own comfort spaces. Mm. There's no one universal way to do this. We do it in our comfort spaces based on the missions and places that God has put us uniquely. Mm-hmm. So they go into the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John also to assist them. And when they had gone through the whole island of Cyprus, as far as Paphos, they met a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Okay. Jewish false prophet. Mm-hmm. Magician. So he's a divinizer. Mm-hmm. And his name is Bar Jesus. <sighs> yeah, do I do with that what you want? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I read so many commentary. I I'm not sure what to do with that. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man, who summoned Barnabas and Saul wanted to hear. Barnabas and Saul, and wanted to hear the word of God. Okay, notice how once again we continue to get like power metaphors. So we obviously have one in divinization, right? A magician, we have false prophet, we have Jewish, we have an intelligent man, a proconsul. We have, there's power metaphors all the way throughout every one of these stories in the book of Acts. You just have to look for the way in which they're structured. And so you come across, they come across this false Jewish prophet named Bar-Jesus with a really intelligent guy. 
and they want to know about the word of God, opposed them. Oh, but the magician Elimas opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now listen, the hand of the Lord is against you, and you will be blind for a while, unable to see the sun. Clayton, how do you feel about your beloved Apostle Paul saying that to a foreign divinizer? When he's the instrument to the Gentiles, might I mind you? If that is what he needed to hear to get to the end of this, then yeah, I think it's cool. What's the end of this? Read the end of it. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. The proconsul, the, mm-hmm. the powerful man needed to see this apparently powerful magician that he had respect for Mm -hmm. that was trying to pull him away from the faith to be knocked down a step to believe, then yeah, I think it was worth it. Is he knocked down a step? Because he curses him to be blind. I'm talking about the magician. He curses him to be blind. And the text says, immediately mist and darkness came over him and went about groping for someone to lead him by the hand. That's what led. Paul's destruction of a human being led to another person's life, if that's how you want to structure it. It is an experience of death, but it is temporary for a while. It is. It is. And so you then have to ask the question, because we're not told, what ended up happening with Elimas? Oh, well, that's not really the important question. You understand that it's not going to happen forever. Right. The real question is, why does Paul think that that's an acceptable response? I feel like I have tried to answer that already, and you didn't like my answer, so no, why no, don't no, you tell no, me? No, no, no. I'm trying to ask it. I'm trying to get you to explain your thoughts and I'm trying to not help you. I really mm. want to know what you're saying. So I'm trying to ask the right. same question a different way. What's the cause that Paul says in his speech about why he thinks he can do that? Why you are the did- son of the devil. You are an enemy of all righteousness. Okay. That's what you think? I mean, that's what the cause is. Why? Well, no, that's what he name calls him. Okay. It's the petty part. Will you stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? There you go. Stop. That. That is what I wanted you to come to. Remember in our conversations about justice, I keep referring to Tim Mackey in the Bible Project where Tim says that sin and death are the experiences of crookedness in the things that God has set straight, Mm -hmm. and one of those things is injustice. Yeah. That. Now, in light of that, let's reread Paul's speech. But Saul, also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now listen, the hand of the Lord is against you, 
and you will be blind for a while, unable to see the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he went about groping for someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Remember how we were talking about comfort zones? Mm-hmm. Paul went to his comfort zone. This is an ancient world. These are spiritual people, an enchanted worldview. Paul went to what he knew. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee. Yeah. They sit around and do crap all day long. Just weird divinization stuff. Now they got the Holy Spirit. Paul's been going around. He's been blinded by Jesus. I mean, like, this is just their world. So Paul responds in what he's comfortable with. Now that ends up being a miracle in the ancient world. That doesn't have to be a miracle today, right? It can be kindness. It can be other things. But when Paul responds, what he's responding to is he's not responding to the person. He's responding to injustice embodied in the person, housed in the person. But his problem, and this is the other thing. Paul reminds me a lot of myself. He's got a, Paul has a temperament a lot like mine. When I want to sit down and write and be very gracious and kind, I absolutely can. Some of Paul's letters are some of the most kind and well-written letters. I could do that. But in the heat of the moment, you bet you behind um, that I will name call some people in the name of injustice. That's exactly what he does. But Saul also knows Paul filled with the Holy Spirit looked intently at him. Intently... What do you think that word means? Sorry for our listeners. I, I can't yeah. show you, but. Oh, you think it's like a dumbfounded, like, like glare. You dumbass. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I think too. <laughs> Intently, like almost makes me think like inquisitively, mm-hmm. but no, it's like, are you flipping kidding me, bro? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looked at him intently. And said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. He just name called him four different times. Yeah. That's all he did. So where Jesus can look at the Pharisees and call him a brood of vipers, mm-hmm. Jesus drops one name call. Mm-hmm. In Luke's gospel, when Jesus gets word that Herod has killed John, John the Baptist, mm-hmm. And Jesus calls him a female fox. Mm-hmm. No, no ancient textual manuscript variances there. Mm-hmm. Jesus effectively, pardon my French, calls him a bitch in the mm-hmm. truest sense of that word. Yeah. One name call. Paul drops four on this guy. Four of them. And they're harsh. Son of the devil. Yeah. Son of the devil. Enemy of all righteousness. You could not say you are a more depraved person mm-hmm. than what Paul is doing here. Yeah. Literally tearing this man down. All because apparently in Paul's understanding of whatever Elimas was saying in his opposition to them, he would not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord. That, friends, that is what we cannot be a part of. That is the message that won the proconsul.
that we can not make crooked the straight paths of the Lord. Divine likeness, straight path of the Lord. We should all be in pursuit of the straight path of the Lord.